Northwest Christian School Online provides online Christian education for any students ranging from kindergarten to 10th grade. The tuition is fully covered through the state of Arizona's ESA program and is affordable for families out of state. You can count on NCS Online for a rigorous, proven online program that establishes a robust biblical worldview for all students. For more information, go to ncsonline.org. That's ncsonline.org. It's Wednesday, and surprise, surprise, in your inbox this morning, we've got a special surprise episode of Kingdom Culture Conversations. What a week it's been. We started on Monday with a great conversation with Kathy Herod, the president of the Center for Arizona Policy. Yesterday, we enjoyed the first part of a conversation with Janet Ruth, a former federal prosecutor who has argued cases before the Ninth District Circuit of Appeals Court in San Francisco. And that's that is a court that is widely considered to be the most liberal court in the United States. This past year, for example, the U.S. Supreme Court overturned 95 percent of the cases that rose out of that court to to be considered by the U.S. Supreme Court. And uh, so Janet's an expert. And I tell you what, she brought up a subject yesterday that we are exploring. And uh, it's no easy topic to consider. We're looking at the separation of church and state. How do we approach that as believers? How do we approach that from the perspective of we are citizens of heaven first before our citizens, our citizenship to the United States? And I tell you what, I love these conversations. They're tough to have. Uh, they may even today be tough to hear, but they're great conversations. These are the very conversations. These are the very questions that students in today's culture, in today's day and age, are asking. And what we're learning, and really it's the whole purpose behind Kingdom Culture Conversations, is that we're either leading these conversations and answering these questions for our students, or we're cleaning up the mess afterwards. And so today is no exception. We're going to enjoy a great conversation with Janet Ruth. And I had trouble actually explaining to people what my position was. And I thought, I've got to write this all down. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I started writing and this is a, a very small book, but the research was a two inch binder completely full yeah. of all of the different cases that were involved. Um, and the catalyst then was in 2004, the Supreme court decided a case on the pledge of allegiance. The yeah. ninth circuit had actually decided that the pledge of allegiance was unconstitutional with the words under God, right. that school public school teachers should not be saying this and expecting their children to go along because it was a religious practice mm -hmm. with a stamp of the government's approval and that violates the establishment clause. So the ninth circuit said it's unconstitutional. When that case came out, I started researching and I actually went to, um, online. You can find different places where you can not only find where the plaintiff and defendants have filed their briefs, you can get all the amicus briefs as well, which is everybody else that filed yeah. with their opinion I downloaded all of them and I read all of them. And then I thought, I'm going to take this a step further. And I kept yeah. pushing it and going down rabbit holes and finally really created the, the legal argument of what I thought um, 
was involved in this question of the Pledge of Allegiance and trying to keep these kinds of things in our culture. Um, You talk about uh, that Mr. Nudlow, or is it Nudow? Nudow. Nudow. Yeah, Mm -hmm. he was kind of one of the catalysts in this thing. And and just a really... It hurt to see how he was treated. Yeah, he was an atheist, uh, yeah. proclaimed atheist. Yeah. He did not have custody of his daughter, right. but he did have a relationship with her. This is in California, correct? In California, yeah. yes. And he was very upset that his child was being told every day that we are a nation under God. And he was telling his child there is no God. Right. So he brought this lawsuit and he's brought several since then. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he's very determined. But... In response to him, there was such an outpouring of hate. Yeah. I mean, he had police officers going yeah. up and down his street. He had to hide the pictures of his daughter so that people wouldn't know yeah. who she was. Yeah. Um, and he ended up losing eventually in the um, Supreme Court. The Ninth Circuit agreed with him. The Supreme Court disagreed, not on any legal it, basis as far as the Pledge of Allegiance or the Establishment Clause, but simply because he didn't have custody of custody. his daughter. Yeah. Yeah, that was. So you do you think if he would have had custody, he would have won that case in the Supreme Court? You can only guess because yeah, they still haven't actually guess. reached the decision. OK, I think he would have lost. OK. And I go into the reasons of why the court was being urged to decide that it's not unconstitutional, that it, right. it's just fine to say under God when you're saying the Pledge of Allegiance. And there's a lot of good arguments out there that the court could have accepted I didn't think they were good arguments from a Christian standpoint. Okay. They were Christians making these arguments, right, right? but they weren't necessarily good arguments because they turned on the idea that it's okay for the government, which is supposed to be separate from religion, is not supposed to endorse any one religious belief over another. It's fine for them to talk about God. It's fine for them to occasionally have a 10 commandments or to put in God, we trust on our money yeah. because it just points to our history. And in our history, these things were important. And we were formed as a country because these things were important to a lot of people. And it points to this idea of um, that we're called to greater things because a lot of people in America believe in God. Right. So it came down to the, the actual legal arguments are, number one, because it's ubiquitous, which means it's everywhere. It's out there. It doesn't mean anything anymore. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean anything anymore. It's lost the, it's, lost the, it's the, the legal strength. argument. Okay. The legal argument is it's not really religious. It's just historical. Mm. It's not really about God. It's just about encouraging patriotism through whatever happens to get people excited about patriotism. And if that's God for you, that's fine. But okay. it doesn't have to be for everybody. That's the legal argument that they yeah. want the court to accept. That doesn't work, does it? Doesn't work for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the pledge... Got under God put into it when? I believe it was 1954. It was during the Cold War. Yes. And um, a bill bill was brought before Congress and passed. And the idea was communism was spreading. Uh, There was a lot of communist sympathizing in the United States itself. And so we needed to differentiate ourselves. We needed to say why our way of life was preferable. Yes. And we needed to rally people around that. So again, let's use God. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's put that as our yeah. rallying cry that, you know, God chose us. God made us special. God gave us rights 
And those rights then allow us to um, choose this form of government, allow us to choose our representatives, allow us to have a voice in our government. These are rights supposedly given by God. Mm-hmm. So you have to believe in God at least a little bit in order for these rights to make any sense. So the government, ever since George Washington through to putting under God in the Pledge of Allegiance, have had this idea that we need a belief in God. We need a reliance on God to get the people to feel part of our country, to to get them to um, be submissive to government, which the Bible tells us to do to get them to be law-abiding, peaceful people, all of which are great things. But when we start making our focus on using God and using religion Mm -hmm. instead Mm -hmm. of serving God, then we've lost our path. But the government is stuck in this place where they can't really say, we believe in a particular God described in the Bible in this way, because then you've got all the problems that all of the European countries had that Americans fled from yeah. in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> you said it this way. You said the fathers felt our nation needed God's protection and guidance for it to have any chance of survival, but they deeply feared taking an official position with regards to God. They did. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're quick when we talk about the founding of America to look at the uh, declaration of independence, mm-hmm. which that's where we see these rights supposedly given by God. The Constitution, which defines and limits our nation and our government, only mentions, never mentions God at all and only mentions religion once to say that there should be no test of religion. Mm-hmm. What you believe about God has nothing to do with your ability to serve in the United States. Mm. Okay. And we tend to forget that. <laughs> we do. We do. Um, you've mentioned it many times. Can you go a little bit about what is the establishment clause? That's something many of us know what that is, but what exactly, that's a pretty big part of our book here and and, uh, what we're doing. So after the constitution was written and signed by the people at the convention, they had to get it out to the states. Now the states had to ratify it. So many of the states decided, okay, it's good enough, but really could be better. There's certain Mm -hmm. things that are missing from it, in particular preservation of individual rights. Right. So they kind of got these inside promises that, OK, make make Congress, you know, let's let's get the Constitution done. We'll have a president. We'll have Congress. We'll have courts. And then we'll go back and we will put in these rights, which they did. They mm-hmm. went back. They came up with actually 12 propositions, sent those out. And eventually 10 of them were ratified by the states and became what we call the Bill of Rights, the first 10 amendments to the United States Constitution. The first amendment which was not the first that Congress said. I think it was second or third. (laughs) The first one didn't get passed. Um, But what is now the First Amendment contains six rights, two of which deal with religion. Yeah. So it begins by saying Congress shall make no law establishing a religion. Or or Congress shall make no law um, regarding an establishment of religion and and shall not limit the free exercise thereof. So you have no establishment of religion and free exercise to different rights okay. under the first amendment. And the courts have gone back and forth for over 200 years trying to figure out what did they mean by those yeah. few words? Yeah. Um, and how do we apply that in an ever changing society? It's changing rapidly all the time. Yes. <laughs> um, I know as a, uh, as an army chaplain, 
um, in the reserves. This kind of comes, this has been challenged many times mm-hmm. in the, uh, in the courts. Yes. And, uh, but there is a clause, there, there's a, the word is the, the war clause or something that kind of, the army has a right to do whatever they think it's best for the soldiers. Ah. And that's to take care of their soldiers and, and body, mind, and spirit. So that's a whole different conversation, <laughs> Janet, but, um, uh, you were asked oh, to be a part of a, a group mm-hmm. um, that was kind of um, going to make some legislative change. Right. And uh, and you were you were like, I don't know if I really want to be a part of that group. Yes, that was yeah. um, what kind of started me off on this whole journey was trying to figure this out. And so I came to the conclusion that for me, for what yeah. I believe about what the Bible teaches about what the problem is in our world and what God's plan is to fix it. Yeah. I don't think changing laws does anything for that. Mm. I don't think enforcing morality on people who don't know God Mm. is going to accomplish anything. Right. Now that's a broad statement. Yes. It does accomplish some things. Um, God instilled governments throughout the world. Every government that exists, exists at the will of, of God Sovereign Um, God. Sovereign God. And there's a lot of bad governments out there, but government has a purpose. And part of that purpose is to to keep the peace. Part of it is to keep a sense of morality that good is rewarded. Evil is um, punished. There there are good things that government does. And there are good things that we as citizens of the United States can ask of our government. Mm -hmm. Um, Abortion, I think, is a wonderful example we get caught up in, well, the Bible says, and we're a Christian nation and therefore these are what our laws should be. Yeah. But if you set that aside, we're all humans. Yeah. Human life should matter to humans. Right. So if we took the conversation that direction, we might get a little further sometimes in saying that we have a right as humans to insist that our government do its best to protect all human life mm, right. and to define it appropriately. Right. Uh, so there, there are good reasons to have these yes. organizations. There are good reasons to have lawyers who fight for religious freedom, but those aren't the end goal. Mm. The end goal is Jesus saves people, Amen. not laws, not morality, not good conduct, yeah. not living in a particular country, not anything else. Right. Faith in Jesus, his grace, his gift is going to save people. When we lose sight of that and we, try to say, well, we need more laws and we need this and we need this because God would be happy with that. My question was, how does that make God happy? Yeah. And if you don't have that's a real good. good answer for that, then maybe you shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> <That's good. laughs> you, you even asked that in the book. You said, if we are more concerned about what we want rather than what God wants, we're yes. kind of in a bad spot. Yes. And um, have you, did you find yourself there in that spot? Um, where I was after what I wanted? Yeah. That wasn't really me. Yeah. Um, I've always been a little, a little bit of a rebel. So I'm, I'm not Love only, <laughs> I'm even me a rebel too. in my own um, Christian community Yeah. in that I, I want to press for the higher calling. Yeah. And if the higher calling costs me my freedom, yeah. so be it. If the higher calling costs me my family, I will be devastated, but yeah. I still will go there if that's what I believe is mm. what God wants. Yeah. Praise God. When we start when our freedoms become too important to us, when our family security becomes too important to us, we start seeing it as God's will mm. that we protect these things. And we need to go back to the Bible and say, is this God's will? 
Yeah. What, what are we really called to do? My freedom comes from Christ. Yes. Christ. And it's not my freedom to one of the 10 command or 10, 10 <laughs> bills of rights, right? That's yeah. not those freedoms. Those freedoms come from us. Right. And they're important. You know, I, I, our founding fathers were amazing. Absolutely. Um, amazing people. Yeah. Um, back to the, the issue in the book, uh, a lot of it was about the Pledge of Allegiance. Yes. And the under God. And uh, you talk about five motivations to still want to say, because again, you're, you would say that under God, maybe we don't need that in the, in the Pledge of Allegiance. Yeah. Again, I'm, I'm going all the way out yeah. on the limb to say, I think we're better off without it. Yeah. Because I think we're better when we make a clear distinction between mm-hmm. God's people and those who are not. Right. Rather than trying to um, disguise mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> the rest of America yeah. so that, you know, God will be good to us. God will bless us. God won't punish us. If we disguise it enough to yeah. look like they're really God's people. Yeah. That's not what the Bible tells us right. is going to happen. <laughs> right. I, I, amen. And, and, and that's a, that's a lot to swallow, <laughs> yeah. right? That's a, the first time when Mr. Brown was telling about this book and I read it, I was, you know, a, a, immediately, you know, <laughs> things go up, right? What? That's like, um, and then you kind of have these five motivations to still want maybe that phrase, which, you know, I, I think you got to do your own um, soul <laughs> yes, searching. Absolutely. Um, but you talked about comfort, fear, concern for others, freedom or pride. Um, how did you come up with those? And The, the comfort was the easy one. Yeah. Every time I would talk to people about this idea that I had as I was writing the book and after I wrote the book, they would say, but but don't you want to live in a country that believes what you believe. Don't you want to live in a country that sees God as good and sees what you believe as good? Yeah. Like, sure. I want to live in that kind of country. Yeah. But is that what God's plan is? Yeah. So comfort is the number one thing that I see just in talking to people that they see what they have to gain, which is fine. That's, you know, we all do that. We're human, but you can't stop there. Right. So then they would say, well, God's going to punish America mm-hmm. if it's too immoral. And they look at the Old Testament right. where God punished countries for their immorality and say, okay, well, then come into the New Testament and let's start talking about what that has to say. But again, everybody dies. Yeah. Everybody will face judgment. At the end of the day, that's what we know we all have in common. Yes. And yeah. all the people that die thinking that they're good because they lived in a Christian country mm-hmm. and they put their hand over their heart and said, I believe in a country under God. Yeah. And they walked through the, you know, courtyard out in front of the state Capitol and saw the 10 commandments and said, we're, we're mm-hmm. God's chosen people. That's not what saves people. Is it? They're still facing judgment. Yeah. Yeah. We've got to be focused on that judgment. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and then, um, you talked about living like, that's what I'm hearing right now. You talk about living like pilgrims. Yes. I'm talking, yes. And what, what is that living like pilgrims? Um, one of the things you hear a lot when you talk to people that are um, trying to make change, trying to change the culture, um, focus more on the big picture than the individual lives mm-hmm. in that culture. You'll hear that we're supposed to be a city on a hill. You'll hear that America was chosen, that America um, has a special place and by keeping God's blessing that we can then show the rest of the world how to live. And they get that from the first governor of Massachusetts Bay Colony, Mm -hmm. John Winthrop. He gave this wonderful speech that was written down, a a sermon basically. And he used the words of Moses 
as the children of Israel were about to cross into the promised land. And he said, God has set before you blessings and curses. You obey, you're blessed. You disobey, Mm -hmm. you're cursed. And he went through this whole thing using these words to the children of Israel in the Old Testament. And he talked about the promises to Israel Mm -hmm. in the Old Testament. And he claimed those for his people. Yeah. But that's not what the New Testament tells us. The New Testament is a new promise. Yeah. It's a new covenant. covenant. Yeah. It's a new blessing. Yeah. And it involves different rules. Mm-hmm. The, the, Janet, the, the, what really I, I took away from this book is, is we want to live like Jesus. Yes. I mean, that, that's to me what that was your, your right hook, if yeah. you will. And you mentioned the pilgrims. The pilgrims yeah. came before John Winthrop. Yeah. When they came, there was nothing here. Um, yeah. And they just wanted a place where they could raise their families, where they could obey God in the way that they thought was right. And they were able to leave their home. Yeah. They were able to give up their English rights, their English comforts. Yeah. Um, their English, the protections that they, they had there. Mm-hmm. They gave all of that up to walk away from that, to be where they could simply live the life God wanted them to live. Yeah. And they faced all the deprivations here in the new world because they knew the next country they were going to. Yeah. Was that was the promise? That was the promised land. The, yes, the, the the ultimate goal. Yes, the this, ultimate goal. This here, this is not the promise. It's not our home. No, it's and the pilgrims home. knew that. Yeah. So it's the pilgrims that we need to be like. Yeah, God's put us in this world. He's given us a lifespan here. Um, yeah. He's given us many commands about how we should live, and we need to do that. We need to make best use of the um, the gifts that He's given us, right. including our freedoms, our prosperity. Our comforts, we need to be using all that. They're not gifts to us. They're gifts for us right. to use for his glory. Blessed to be a blessing, if you will. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much, Janet, for oh. your time. <laughs> and um, just, uh, again, JanetRuth.com or JaneTruth.com. <laughs> um, a little plan that's uh, separate for reason. You have a new book coming out as well. Um, yes, very soon. This book actually caused me to see that there were so many people that disagreed with my conclusions yeah. because they disagree with the theology mm-hmm. of what God is doing in the world. Um, so years after I wrote this book, I went back and got my master's in biblical studies, really started looking into that more deeply. And I wrote a book on how Christians view what God wants us to do in the world okay, and how we as Christians need yeah. to see each other and, you know, how, how we deal with the mm-hmm. fact that we don't all agree about yeah. what God's doing and what we're supposed to do. Yeah. So, so we can disagree, you mean. That's yeah. what people do. <laughs> That's what we do. Um, well, thanks for listening again. Thanks for being here, uh, Janet. And God bless y'all and have a tremendous day. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Northwest Christian School has made Biblical Worldview online courses available to all high school students for transcript credit. Regardless of whether they attend public school, private school, charter school, or homeschool, Frameworks is an exciting new initiative utilizing the learning management system of Grand Canyon University. For more information, visit BibleClassesForPublicSchools.com.